Welcome to Balancing Life's Issues, the podcast. Today, we're here to continue the celebration of Black History Month. And of course, I'm joined by senior trainer and DEIB contributor, James Francis. How are you today? Doing well, Kai. Doing well. Thanks for having me. Of course. So today we wanted to talk about black entrepreneurship by sharing some facts with all of you. And, and later on, we will be introducing today's guest, Letitia B. Russell, as well as a bit of a dive into the first black female CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Do you happen to know who that is, James? I have an idea, but I'm not sure. <laughs> Okay, great. Well, we'll I'll, I'll spoil it later on. So, um, And the stats I'm about to share come from a brookings.edu research article titled, Who is Driving Black Business Growth? So, James, I got a question for you. You ready? Shoot. Go for it. All right. Did you know that before the COVID-19 pandemic, Black-owned business was on the rise, having increased by 13.64%? Absolutely. I believe that. It was even increased in my household <laughs> with my wife and my children. <laughs> so I believe that. Oh, that's amazing to hear. Fantastic. Uh, okay, so let me ask you this. If black business ownership continues to grow at its current rate, how long do you think it would take to become equitable with the proportion of white business owners in America? Honestly, uh, my guess would easily be at least 100 years, if not more. It'd be a lot higher than that. 256 years wow. at the current growth rate to reach an equitable proportion of white business owners. And all this research that has come out is recent because it stems from the murder of George Floyd. Uh, the social justice movement that resulted was not only calling out policing, it was also call calling out the inequities that black business owners were facing at that time when it came to the government loans that were helping businesses stay, stay afloat. So last question, did black women-owned employer businesses outpace women-owned businesses or black-owned businesses? It outpaced both, based on the friend and family around me. It outpaced both. All right, great. It was a trick question. It was both. And that is a perfect segue into today's guest. Letitia B. Russell is a renowned emotional wellness and leadership coach, author, and transformational speaker, and founder of Letitia B. Russell, LLC, and Russell Craigwell HR Consulting. Welcome to the podcast, Letitia. Thank you for having me. Of course. Can you tell us a little bit about the work you do? Absolutely. I would love to. So ultimately, I serve as um, an emotional wellness coach where I really support all things mental health and emotional wellness and fostering that in organizations. And earlier, you talked about COVID, right? Even though these things existed pre-COVID, they really exist and show up today in organizations. And so my goal and job and role is really to help organizations navigate that while they increase their productivity retention and hopefully preventing the quiet quitting that you hear about as well. Yeah, yeah. No, and like your role is so vital because we are seeing businesses really pivot to emotional wellness and providing that as a benefit. And it sounds like you are a crucial piece in that puzzle to getting businesses to really open themselves up to that opportunity. So thanks again for being here. Absolutely. And uh, James, I know you have a whole list of questions ready to go. So I'm going to pass <laughs> that all over to you. So go ahead, James. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Letitia, please let me know, what does Black History Month mean to you? Ooh. <laughs> you know, so much, right? Black history is really for me, right, it's American history in every aspect of the word. And so it's Black excellence. And to me, it's really been woven into the fabric of just this country. And so when you think about just Black history, the first person that sacrificed their life was a Black person. And so we as a culture, 
you know, have to really stop tiptoeing around having to explain the Black contributions of, you know, this country, um, a fear of really making others uncomfortable. And so when you think about Black history and when you say it, I mean, it is truly what's woven into us day in and day out. Absolutely. Becoming a business owner, what role has education played in your journey overall? You know, education is, it shows me, education has been, let me backtrack, has been great, but real life experiences are the things that have shown, really shown me what it's made of, right? And so Mm -hmm. the contributions around just what we've done, the struggles, um, the equity, the inclusions. And so while we get those things in education, let's be honest, we get them in real life and real world experiences and the things that we see um, day in and day out. Wonderful. And, And as a Black woman, What role has resiliency played in becoming a business owner and and just an experienced trainer overall? Yeah, um, it's vital. It's, It's at the top of everything that I do because as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, you will likely get more no's than yeses, right? And so you've got to figure out how to pivot and turn that no into what lesson do I take from this and do better or do it differently the next time. And so in all things that we do, and I have to keep using the word shrink, so many times we do find ourselves shrinking because we're so afraid of getting the no. I don't want to bug anybody. I don't want to be aggressive. But I always tell people, you have to ask yourself and tell yourself that there is a very stark difference between being assertive and being aggressive, right? And so that follow through is everything. That resiliency is everything. And so that is at the top of everything that I do. Can we circle that point a little bit, Letitia, for us? Because I I think for the listeners, it's like understanding like the systemic issues that black Americans face and, and like having a seat at the table and, you know, the version of self that we bring to the workplace. Yeah. So, you know, thank you for that. And you hear the terminology a lot about, you know, creating your seat at the table. And But it's real. Right. And I can't remember when we when we really started to say it even more. But let's talk about it. And what that really means is a lot of times you'll hear the terminology. Right. You often hear people say, let's create that seat at the table. But what does it mean? And to me, it means not shrinking. It means speaking up. It means, you know, when you are put in a situation where yeah. you're you're provided an opportunity to speak and you have played out this speech in your head, right? I'm going to show up 110 mm-hmm. percent. But then when you step in front of a room or into a room and everybody that you look at are your your white peers, right? And so we tend to shrink and we say 30% of what's on our mind when in essence, we really wanted to say 100%. And so I always say, you know, fear is really being judged. It's not being seen. It's not being heard. But I challenge people to just really say, you know, it is time for me to step out of my comfort zone, right? And get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that is what creating a seat at the table is. I mean, you just said so many profound things and something that jumped out to me. It's never a loss. It's a lesson. And with these lessons, where do you feel we are today when it comes to equity? Yeah, um, we're behind, right? Um, it, it's, it saddens me to see where we are. Um, it's not that, you know, and I'll bring up the fact that we are, as women and, and as a Black race, I think we are paid less in many instances, right? I do think in many instances, we are fearful of stepping up and talking and showcasing who we are and the knowledge that we have because we have been 
told that we're less than, right? For, again, so this isn't every everybody's story, but it's a lot of people's story, right? And so we feel that we have to continually prove ourselves when our white counterparts do not necessarily have to do the same. And so I do feel that we are behind when it comes to those things. And that's why it is so important to just make sure that we continue to show up, right? Making sure that we continue to mentor and coach and bring people along with us. I think sometimes we have this mentality that, man, I can't, you know, give away what I know, right? But that's how we learn and that's how we grow and that's how we get ahead of this when it, when you think about equity and inclusion. I love that. And, and James, I heard this from you and in a different context, but I don't know if you could speak to it a little bit, but the difference between equity and equality. Yes, absolutely. Two words that are joined at the hip. They're very different. I'm looking at the definition here. <laughs> they are They are vastly different. They are vastly different, Kai, and uh-huh. treating you equally as I would treat your child or my child is saying one thing, and I'm providing, right, we're speaking mm-hmm. the same, we're providing the same respect. An equitable practice is to provide something that you may not have, but you need. And you know who has it? James Francis. So an equitable practice would mm-hmm. provide Kai with the same resources and provide him with the same opportunity right. as James Francis has. Those mm-hmm. are equitable practices. Right, right. And I think a little the difference, or maybe it's the thing to circle there, are circumstances. That's correct. Right. Even though your circumstances differ, you allocate the exact same resources and opportunities. You know, talking about seat at the table and 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 speaking of you know seat at the table and, and opportunities, I wanted to uh, introduce our Black American figure today. In 2009, Ursula Burns was named CEO of Xerox, becoming the first Black woman to head a Fortune 500 company. And it was the culmination of an amazing life journey from a Manhattan tenement to the C-suite of one of America's most iconic companies. She led Xerox for seven years and subsequently served as CEO of the global telecom telecommunications firm Vion and still sits on several major corporate boards. She is an outspoken champion of inclusive capitalism and racial equity. Equity. Um, so this comes from the Harvard Business Review, and I just wanted to read um, an, a, a couple of the answers to some questions she was asked, because I know I have, have a feeling you guys um, might have some thoughts on it. So the first question that was asked was, how prevalent was prejudice in your non-professional life? And her answer, when I was growing up, I came face to face with racism or sexism almost every day. I became numb to it. I vividly remember walking into Barney's, the clothing store, with my son one day. I was already a senior executive and making quite a bit of money, but it was the typical situation where somebody is watching you the whole time. I'd experienced that a lot, but that was the first time I said, this just isn't right. Sure, we feel good when other people say, oh yeah, she's one of us but we need to get to a point where this elite society structure no longer exists. Does that resonate with either of you? With me, a thousand percent. Um, it's kind of like the phrase, Kai, when someone says, well, James, I don't see color. Mm, and it's yeah. that's always an interesting we've a lot. <laughs> we've been seeing a lot of that lately. Right. And, and some, for some, they may mean well, but I clarify immediately, like, well, I do. Right. I I see height. Mm -hmm. I see the beautiful reds. I see the wonderful greens. I see color. And that is okay, Right. And and that is okay. But, you know, it's played an everyday role in my life as well. Not only in how I am perceived, but how I perceive myself Mm. that has changed my life. 
And and that's a message that I ch- I give to my children, right? People see color. Your color may be different. Your shades, your hues may be different. But you always bring your authentic self. And that's mm. what really should matter. And that's something I really, you know, kind of the message I send to my awesome. children. Anything to add, Letitia? Yes, right. I, I very much live by something very similar. And a lot of times, you know, bringing your authentic self, it is it is something that we should do, should be able to do more of, right? Without the fear of judgment. Um, and so yeah. I just, for me, I do tell my little ones the same thing, right? There will pe- there are people that will consistently not like what, what you do and will consistently find something to say. Yeah. And so I always say, clearly you're doing something right, <laughs> right? Yeah. When they're talking. And so show up in your true authentic being. Absolutely. Uh, Okay, cool. So I'm going to do one more um, question. You write that your peers at college could deal with your success as a black woman only by mentally elevating you to a kind of exceptional status, viewing you as almost freakishly gifted, meaning they couldn't accept that other talented, hardworking black people could make it as well. Did you experience that throughout your life? Answer. Absolutely. Even in the latter part of my career, people would say, oh, my God, you're so amazing. I finally realized that what they were saying without knowing is that in order for me to lead a task force to be CEO, they would have to identify me, identify me as spectacular or else acknowledge that others who look like me, who act like me, who come from where I come from can be at the table as well. I'm not amazing. I'm here because I'm as good as you. Um, Man, <laughs> yes. I think, you know, at the, the end of the day, it is, I take so much away from that. But what I will say is I'm here because I deserve to be here, right? Because I'm as good as the next person. And the thing that I live by, um, it's a it's it's very much similar to that. And that's success is not final, failure is not fatal, right? It's the courage to continue that counts. And a lot of times we don't have the courage to continue because of the fear of what other people are saying or doing. But at the end of the day, you deserve to be here just like the next next individual any anything to add there james i mean she she actually kind of (laughs) said it all and and i just love that quote that's a quote that i'm really going to take away from today you are there for a reason you are there for a reason and i say you because this is something that i suffered early in my career maybe i wasn't good enough for that promotion well maybe i was not selected for this program absolutely not and I think back and revert earlier to my career and my life. I deserve things, things that I work hard to achieve, things that I continue to work and strive for on an everyday basis. So I totally, um, that totally resonates with me in my life. And I think it's, it's kind of coming back to the hallmark of that episode one, which is this idea of it, black history has its negatives that brought upon resilience and then that brought upon celebration, which is what we're doing today. You know, we're celebrating black history and black entrepreneurs. I think for me, as I read through this and as I listen to you guys, I just, I'm just thinking about the beauty of what happens when we share our experience with the world, especially in positions of power. Ursula is someone who is vulnerable and she was true to herself and she wrote her own history as a result. Thank you so much, Letitia, for being here today. Were there any any parting words for a, uh, a potential entre- <laughs> black female entrepreneur who's, who's listening out there today? 
You know, I'm going to, I'm going to repeat what I said earlier because I think it's so important, right? Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. And as an entrepreneur, as a business person, you will have those moments where things didn't pan out in the manner that you saw fit, right? But that doesn't mean that you don't get back up and do it again, right? And you continue mm -hmm. to do it. And so I just encourage you to do it, even if it means doing it afraid. Right, well said. And any parting words uh, as we end episode two here, James? Absolutely. It is a continual, continual celebration of Black and American history that should not and will not be ignored. So thank you all. All right. So that wraps it up. This is Balancing Life's Issues, the podcast. And don't forget to join us Friday, February 23rd for our free live webinar titled DEIB, Navigating the Difficult Conversation, hosted by myself and facilitated by the wonderful James Francis here. Registration info is available at bliinfo.com slash free webinars. Until next time, take care. This has been a production of Balancing Life's Issues with your hosts, Kai Sorensen and Wendy Walner. Produced by me, Kai. Rate, leave a review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen so you can get brand new episodes as they drop. Got an idea for the show? Email me, kai at balancinglifesissues.com. Anything to add, Miles? Yeah.